Hello and welcome back to the Next Gen Podcast. I haven't recorded this for a while for, I don't know, many reasons. Uh, ministry has been pretty crazy. I, if you aren't aware, I'm in the second year of my internship and I'm just, uh, I've just submitted all my reports and submitted everything. And with COVID and everything, I decided just to focus on uh, the local churches that we have around here because that was the primary focus at that point in time. And I released a fair bit of digital content during covid uh, which is still ongoing, but kind of eased a little bit here in Australia. And I've just been focusing on that and working really hard on uh, doing the best I can in my primary responsibility, which is the churches I'm in. And that has meant that the podcast hasn't been kept up to date as much as I'd like it, nor my website, nor anything else that I do for fun. Uh, I don't really tend to do this as a as a ministry thing, which is it is still ministry, but I tend to do do this sort of stuff like podcasts and videos and things like that as a bit of a hobby. And so, yeah, I kind of wish I could invest more time into it, and I'm sure in the future I'll be able to do that. But for now, just been investing time in the local churches and obviously uh, my marriage and everything else that's been going on in 2020. But today. I want to talk a little bit about a few things that uh, have been burning a hole in my heart. Uh, This last Sabbath, I I preached a sermon that was quite uh, something I quite was uh, passionate about, you'd say. And most sermons, generally, I am passionate about. But this one, uh, more than most, because I've been doing a lot of reading over the past few months, and as most pastors probably do. (laughs) And uh, in that reading, I've really been unpacking and unpacking uh, what it means to have a new life in Christ. And for many uh, Adventists and many Christians, depending on your faith tradition, um, this idea of a new life in Christ can lead you down a um, many different paths, one of them being a, a works-based path where it's connected to your salvation. Uh, there's other paths that it can drag you down that you just don't really need to get bogged down into. Because in my opinion, is actually quite simple. And maybe we can start some discussion here about what it means to have a, a new life in Christ. And I know that Paul talks about it a lot throughout uh, Corinthians, Romans, Ephesians, anywhere. He talks about the fact that we uh, have a new life in Christ and our old life is dead. And we're going to have a chat about that. But there's also something else that I'm passionate about. I don't know about you guys, but I've um, often heard some interesting sermons over the years. And one of the sermons that kind of stuck with me in a few of uh, pastors have preached this sermon as well, talking about plastic Christians. Uh, my favorite sermon was there was literally a, a pastor got some uh, plastic uh, flowers up and literally melted them. And they talk about plastic Christians, and you might better get, guess where I'm going here, but in Revelation, in Revelation 3, uh, there's a church in Laodicea, which is known as the lukewarm church or uh we might talk about lukewarm Christians and trying to work out what even are lukewarm Christians is a big thing. Often people will throw that around. They'll say, you're lukewarm because you don't believe what I believe and you're not going to be saved and you'll be cast out because you're not believing the exact thing that I think you should believe. But I'd argue that that's not at all what any of this is about. There's a lot more to this idea. There's a lot more to the idea of being a plastic Christian. And 
what we're going to talk about today is about living to our values and living to your values, especially the values that we have um, given to us through Scripture and the values that and the identity that we build up for ourselves. Because I personally believe that those plastic Christians or those people who are lukewarm were not living the life and weren't living the values and weren't living to their values um, that they had been given and inspired upon them by the Holy Spirit. And so there's this work that goes on inside people when they truly accept Christ. And on top of that, I'd argue these lukewarm Christians had simply not truly met Christ. And so I think it's a big, important uh, idea we need to wrestle with is that there's probably many Christians, many people sitting in pews every single week who are simply there uh, because they're a traditionalist and not because they've met Christ. And uh, that could be a big, bold statement, but I think it's probably pretty easily backed up when we look around and we see what's going on in the world. I think that's probably something that's quite true. And uh, growing up, I had a bit of a struggle with uh, the idea of a plastic Christian. Am I good enough? Uh, was the thing I took from that to start with. As an adult, I've been able to process through that and I've recognized uh, some of the, the truer elements that are in that. But I used to ask myself the question of, could I ever be sure I am truly saved and enough in Christ's eyes? Am I actually going to be enough? Uh, and that wasn't because my parents, my parents were teaching grace. They were protecting me from those things. But it was the fact that I could see and I could hear that message uh, within the church community around me. And uh, wrestling with that took a long time and the, just the beauty of going to college and going to uni and going to seminary and all those things is you get a chance to wrestle with that in a safe place. And I probably am still wrestling with that a little bit because you've got to walk that tightrope. You've got to be going, okay, I understand that this is all Christ's doing. It is not my own doing. And if I am doing anything here, that's a false gospel. Um, so... Uh, as I've processed through our Seventh-day Adventists uh, faith, faith tradition uh, and from our pioneers right through to our current theologians, uh, there's been some key issues. And one of those key issues really has been salvation. Um, and in digging through that history, I've been able to accept the fact that we have a beautiful, beautiful view of salvation as a Christian church. And we might talk about that in another uh, podcast. I'll leave that for another podcast, hey. Um, but when writing about what it means and when thinking about and when speaking here on a podcast about what it means to have a new life in Christ, we're going to make a few things clear right from uh, the outset. This is not a strictly theological um, uh, or systematic um, uh, talk right? I'm going to do right now. We're going to be talking more about values, and if you want to get into the systems of theology and the root of theology and how the theology is constructed, that's another discussion altogether. But um, our works have nothing to do with our salvation. Works and salvation occur separately to each other but they do have a relationship. Uh, good works, this is the relationship, good works are a response to the gift of salvation that Christ slash God has provided us. And we as Adventists believe that we can't work our way into heaven. Uh, you've got the high priest in the book of Zechariah who, whose greatest works were just rags. 
um, compared to the glory of God, and he was clothed with the robes of righteousness. I think that's a really simple way that the Bible puts it. Uh, I know Ellen White speaks about this a lot, but um, and also Paul speaks about it, but I think the book of Zechariah, if you want to have a read of that and see what the high priest uh, was doing there, and the fact that his works weren't even good enough, the most pure person of that time, their works weren't good enough to meet the glory of God. And so we had to be covered with the robes of righteousness that Christ provides you and I. And so we've got to remember those, those little things so that we can't get ourselves um, wrapped up in putting our own uh, identity into the story. Our identity comes from the story. Our identity is not infused into the story. And so um, we're going to mention salvation a couple more times, but it's not the main thing we're talking about today. Um, the Adventist belief structure is really beautiful. If you aren't an Adventist and you want to dig into that, I'd encourage you to go and have a read of things like our 28 Fundamentals and um, maybe chat to an Adventist pastor and they'd be willing to discuss some of this stuff with you. But the idea of a plastic Christian, it came from Revelation 3. And the idea being that the church was not keeping to the teachings of God and was not living as Jesus would intend for them to live especially uh, the teachings and the love and the grace of God had not changed this church. They were still uh, living in a way that was not congruent with the way that Jesus would have us live as a church, the way that Jesus would have us, that God would have us uh, do church. And um, we, we could see that they needed a behavioral change. And you might say, well, that is because they weren't keeping the commandments, and they were failing to do X, Y, and Z. But if we understand from our Adventist perspective, if we understand salvation, that when we are saved and we accept the salvation that Christ has offered us, we get to step into a new life in Christ, and the Holy Spirit works within us and with us so that we are able to change our lives, you would understand that the key to this, the key to this behavioral change, is not just deciding, hey, I'm going to behave perfectly today. Um, I mean, any human, I guess, could keep the Ten Commandments, but they're not going to keep them perfectly. You look at the Sermon on the Mount and places like that. But this behavioral change can only occur, uh, and we've got to get this process right here, so bear with me. This behavioral change can only occur after you have accepted the grace of God and you have truly met Christ and accepted him into your life. Maybe you've been baptized and you've truly accepted him. Even after baptism, you might have to truly accept Christ. And when you do truly accept Christ into your life, the Holy Spirit works within you to convict you and to work with you, and you become uh, more and more of the person that God wants you to be. Whilst we're never going to be uh, perfect in the perfect behavioral sense, uh, we do become fuller and more beautiful Christians as a testimony to those around us of the grace of God and what he does for us. So I look at uh, plastic or lukewarm um, Christians as traditionalists. Now, I've got to keep this separate here, remember. Uh, by this, I mean people that are more focused on keeping traditions and meeting Christ. I believe that traditions are important, and I'm a big advocate for, for traditions. And I think our church has some wonderful traditions that inform us of our theology, but what I'm saying here is that there are people in the world, and I believe the church in Laodicea, were people that had not kept, that had not truly accepted Christ as their personal saviour, had not truly accepted God uh, as their saviour. But rather, they were trying to place themselves into this salvation story. And so, 
How do we make this change as Christians to not become lukewarm Christians and to rather be people who are on fire for God? Do we just somehow magically uh, change our behavior or do we need to do something more? And I've been speaking about the idea of a new life in Christ. And Paul speaks about this idea in Romans 3.24, where he notes that we are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, where you're free through our acceptance of Christ and have access to a new life in Christ. He also says in 2 Corinthians 5.17 that we are a new creation and the old one has passed away. And then in Ephesians 4.22-24, he highlights the fact that we are renewed in the spirit of our minds and we put on the new self-created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. This isn't that we are all of a sudden made sinless, but rather we are, seed, we are seen in the eyes of God as righteous and holy, which frees us to live our new life as a new creation, one that desires to live a life that is a witness to others of what Christ has done in our lives and what he can do in their lives. He can change you. He can, like if you have an addiction that you haven't uh, been able to shake, the Holy Spirit and God can work with you to overcome that. Um, and we often take things to the extreme when it's actually a really beautiful balance that um, you've accepted Christ into your life and he's working with you and changing you. And that then because of that, you now have the ability to overcome this thing that has been plaguing you for your entire life. Uh, we often... Uh, talk about what the results of the going to heaven bit. And we often talk about the what it's going to be like to be perfect again. We often talk about what Christ did, but we often fail to talk about what happens in between with us. Uh, and we often, because we often uh, can't, uh, we struggle to recognize the work of Christ and what is happening today. So, what does this new life look like? What does this new life occur? How does it occur and what happens in it? Uh, Galatians 5, 22 to 23 talks about the fruit of the Spirit. Um, I would say, yes, they are absolutely essential. I think we should all, if we have got the Holy Spirit in our lives, if we've truly accepted Jesus, we should begin and we should be displaying the fruit of the Spirit because, well, the Spirit's working in you. We would bear fruit. And I think it also goes a step further than that. Uh, because I think that, uh, this is my big statement today, I think that when we are living our new life in Christ, we are living to our values. If you've heard of uh, Brené Brown, uh, she is a Episcopalian Christian, and she comes from that tradition, but she's written all these wonderful books about living our life and living our best life and living to our full potential. And a lot of that comes to uh, dealing with things like shame and learning how to be vulnerable. And when you were vulnerable, you were able to have courage. But it also uh, ties directly back into living to our values and living to your values. And all humans, we have values. And as Christians, I believe our values are inspired and come out of the Bible. But also often we have no idea of what our values are as individuals and even what the values of our church that we attend are. And if the church that we attend is even com compatible with who we are and what our identity and our values are. And if you are going to be running into this conflict the whole time, 
your experience with church isn't going to be the greatest thing in the world. It's not going to be uh, a flourishing experience. It's going to be a struggle because you're constantly trying to live outside of your identity in Christ. And I believe that one of the key, sig- the key signifiers of uh, people who are living lukewarm and people that struggle to be involved in church and struggle to be a part of church uh, is because the church's values is out of line with their values. Now, that's not a broad statement for everyone. But I know for me, when uh, the church that I'm serving or the church that I'm attending isn't living up to their values or their values don't line up at all with my values, uh, there's a, a conflict that occurs and you aren't able to uh, build each other up and aren't able to become a body of believers. And I think that we as a church should start speaking and we should start understanding how to help our members to identify their values and so that we are able to identify the values of our church so that we are able to continue to build community that is able to confront uh, those challenges in a really healthy way. And um, I know that Stephen Covey speaks about values and leadership a lot as well. Uh, there's a number of other authors out there at the moment that are speaking a lot about values. And and I think that one of the things that we have begun to struggle with is the advent of social media uh, lined up with uh, our church. Because social media does so many things and so many things occur on social media that are out of line with where we are wanting to be heading as a church. And then you add on to that a whole heap of social and political things that are going on in our world, and our church is just not ready to serve uh, a world that doesn't exist anymore. Uh, so why, by that I mean, and uh, I know that Scott Cormode notes this in his new book, The Innovative Church, that this is his opening line really uh, that the uh, world that the church is built for and is trying to serve no longer exists and so how do we build our church at the moment for the world that exists and how do we and how do we pivot and how do we grow and how do we innovate in a world uh, that is forever changing and I think one of the key and core aspects in a, to be able to do that is that we need to be able uh, to clearly identify who we are, what our values are, and how our values inform where we are going. And so uh, as I've been uh, unpacking this idea that the, our new life in Christ is a way for us to live truly into our values, which will then inform further who we are and allow us to grow into the image that Jesus has in mind for us, I think that that is a beautiful thing, right? And I haven't fully fleshed that out yet. It's an ongoing journey, but I believe that when we accept Christ and we want to experience a new life in Him, He informs the way that we are going to live into what our values are. And um, that is going to bring about behavioral change. It's going to bring about um, a willingness to do things. It's going to bring about a heart that is experiencing and is further wanting to experience the love of Jesus and who he is and the character of Jesus. And I think that will continue um, right up until the time that Jesus returns. And I believe that our values are indeed an essential part of experiencing a new life with Christ. So 
as we continue to unpack this, we're probably going to unpack some of these ideas over the next few episodes as I can record them in the midst of a pandemic and the end of the year and all those things. Uh, I want to uh, encourage you to try and discover what your values are. Uh, Brené Brown has a whole heap of resources out there with lists of values that you can go through and you can work out what your core values are. If you can work out what your core values are, you are well on the way to working out how you can communicate and interact with the world around you, not just inside church, but also outside church. And so it will inform mission as well. Uh, So I encourage you to do that. And I'm going to be releasing a blog uh, post about this, which will be a multi-part blog post on my website, which is uh, andrewprattministry.com. And uh, I am excited to see where this kind of journey goes goes and i'm going to try and bring a couple of guests into this discussion as well because i am by no means an expert on any of this but uh, i thank you so much for joining us today if you've got any questions feel free to email them through to me uh, which is our next gen pod at gmail.com i believe and i look forward to hearing from you you can jump on my website, read my blogs, leave a comment, or go to my Facebook page as well, which is Andrew Pratt Ministry. Uh, you can find me there as well, and we can have a dialogue, have a conversation about uh, our church, about what a new life in Christ means, about how we can best live into our values. And I hope you could follow along with my smooshing together of three ideas that I've got at the moment, because I think they all do intersect, and I'm filtering through how they truly intersect, and I think it's going to be a beautiful journey to go on together. And with all of that, uh, over and out, and I will see all of you guys in the next one.